Super Talk Mississippi media production. Coleman Taylor Transmission, servicing Central Mississippi for over 60 years. Their ASE certified technicians offer dependable transmission services, a warranty, and record services. Call Coleman Taylor today for all your transmission needs. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. Hey, 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 team, welcome. Okay, so my guest and all of you may have to find a couch because this intro is going to take a while, but it's well deserved. I'm coming to you from the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios. Oh, yeah, you know how I feel about that. Well, I met today's guest back a couple months ago. Growing up in Mississippi, hockey wasn't on the list of sports priorities to play. So if you knew a player's name, that meant he was bigger than his sport, a la Tiger Woods, Bart Starr, Michael Jordan. In their careers, they transcended way beyond their arena, court, and field. And in this case, the ice. And became global household names, just like today's guest. You see, if you watched or didn't watch hockey, it didn't matter. You knew him. You admired him. And you were in awe. It started very young for him. He found success in the peewee days uh, to his minor hockey league days. For, and then when he played for Amos, Quebec. And to his junior ice hockey days. Uh, where he was the league's top scorer with 94 goals, 157 assists for a total of 251 whopping points. That's like insane. All this inevitably led to 1976 in the NHL when he became the 16th player ever to reach the 50-goal mark. At the time, he was the youngest player to hit that mark and also a 100-point plateau. His record was broken only by another great one called Wayne Gretzky. He also was the first player to score 50 goals in a season with two teams. He scored 53 with the Pittsburgh Penguins in 75 and 76, and 50 with Montreal in 79 and 80, and is the only NHL player to have scored more than 45 goals with three separate teams. Also scoring 48 with the New York Rangers. I'm getting tongue-tied. Look, we can talk about all the records, and we're going to do that the best we can. But I'm looking forward to better getting to know, not in a Mississippi year, which would take that long, but a minute. So let's dive into the life and history made by Hall of Famer and my new pal, Pierre LaRouche. Hey, Pierre. Hi, Stephen. I, thank you. That was uh, very, very nice. Appreciate that. Did I? Did are you peeled off the couch yet? I mean, that took a month. <laughs> <laughs> wow! No, I, I, that's very nice. Thanks. Uh, so you're in Pittsburgh now. That that's where you find home. Yes, sir. I came back to Pittsburgh in uh, 1995, and uh, it's been great. Uh, really enjoyed New York, but Pittsburgh was home, so I came back here, and uh, I've been here since. 
All right, I want to talk about life after hockey, but we got to start out with the the early days. Um, I mean, did you learn to skate before you learned to walk? And 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 looking back in your even back to your pee wee days, you found the net. You you just knew how to find it. I mean, was that always just innate, or is it something that you had really had to work on? You know, uh, I, I probably did start skating before I walked. That's what I was told anyway. Everybody. Just keep reminding me when I was like two, three years old or four, whatever it was, that I'd be on the ice skating around everybody. So I guess maybe, maybe who knows? But uh, <laughs> no, it, it, I, you know what? You, I, I don't think it's something you learn. You definitely could work hard at it to make it better, but it's like a gift. It's like a golfer that hits the ball a mile. Yeah. Uh, guy that hit home runs, not single. Guys can throw the football down like 80 yards in the air, stuff like that. But if you don't work at it, you won't have the success that you're looking for. But uh, I think it's just a gift that you're given by God, and then you, you go from there. I mean, as a kid growing up, you loved this game. Were there any other sports that you took to, or was it always hockey? No, we, we played everything, golf, soccer, football, whatever it was uh, that you could grab, like 15 friends that we had because we played you know, <laughs> hockey in the minor coming up, so all those guys were hung together. So whatever sport was, but hockey was our sport. We skated. I mean, the, 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 the snow and the ice used to pack, you know, the road. So we used to be able to skate to school. Uh, we carve our initial on the puck because they always went in a snowbank. And huh. when spring came, we could always get our pucks back. Hey, that's mine. You know, <laughs> so you didn't lose it. <laughs> you know, being a baby at 10, it's tough to go home and say, can I get some money for a puck? You know, they'd be like, yeah. yeah <laughs> Good luck with that. So, yeah. But... <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay, my man. No problem here. It's just like it. it we all have a, a purpose. I really believe that. So, you know, whatever direction we send, we have to do the best we can and try to, you know, do what we got to do. So, family life for you growing up, siblings, mom and dad. What what was it like? It was like crazy when you think of it. I mean, we had, we had the, uh, mom and dad and nine siblings. Uh, not counting me, I was the last one, the baby of ten. So. Wow. Uh, yeah, I saw a lot of action when growing up watching all those wild brothers and sisters of mine go about life. Uh, my brother died a car crash, and Michelle did also. But oh. he was the one, I think, he, yeah, I think he was the one I looked up to the most because where the relationship and age was, I was like 14 years old, started to make, you know, hay about playing at a, a higher level hockey, that league that we had back home. And him always being there and always, you know, reminding me what to do, not what to do on and off the ice. Don't smoke, don't drink. You know, the old thing we used to get when we were young. So, but too stupid to be paying attention to, to be aware that maybe they're right, but they're saying, but whatever. And, uh, you know, that, and you did it for yourself too. I mean, I love, I love the skate. I really, being outside skating, there was nothing like it. Playing hockey with your friends, you know, uh, except the cold. When it got really cold, you froze your feet and your hands. But uh, I mean, we'd go back out the next day. As like I said, when you love something that much, like you yeah. did in your life, which wherever what final button that this horse is to, you know, whatever life. Everybody's different. Not everybody gets to be like when I was a kid. I wanted to be F sixteen pilot or a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, we we always want to be something else that we're supposed to be because that's. That's all we are. Yeah. So you accomplish the goal you want. Now, what, what do we do? So you and I turn to golf. Let's see if we can. Yeah. Because as a performer, you always want to find something. Yeah. You know, when you're done with your, you know, when you're done with your gig, all right, I can't play hockey anymore, but I love golf. It's almost, even maybe more 
demanding and and, and exciting than golf. I mean, hit a good shot. It's not like it, you know, as you know. So. Oh, the the feeling you get, and 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 yeah, when it's when you when you feel nothing, and it's just that sound, you know, you know, the sound, the silent. I, I can't explain it. I mean, I drive my my listeners crazy with the game of golf. It's how we met. It's how I've gotten to meet so many great people. So I met Grant Fuhrer, you know, and spent a lot of time with Grant, and uh, and gotten to know him and become pals and admire his game. He's got a great game, but he's a great guy, and and getting to know him better. But okay, so I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, pull up me it's, i know it's been a long time but it's never long enough when you when you lose a brother uh my mom lost her brother when he was older but you know he was it was in his early 30s and 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 she never you know there's i never it's always there you can see it in her eyes sometimes when we bring him up but your brother did you inspiring afterwards uh even more oh. so to play for him was that always sort of something in the back of your mind in the front of your mind yeah, always, always. Uh, like my mom was never the same. I remember that. I was, yeah. I was already, already away from home for hockey. I had to go somewhere to play in a higher level. So I went about eight hundred miles away from where, where my mom and dad were, mm-hmm. and that's when I found out he died. But wow. uh, yeah, it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy part of life that that as a youngster you just like a lot of stuff we don't pay attention to, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my brother's dead. Wow, yeah. uh, and yeah. then. The first game I ever played hockey in NHL was in Minnesota, and I looked up and I said, "Here we are, we made it." So, oh wow, wow, oh, it was my pretty. Gosh. It was, it was, yeah, it was pretty wild. So, uh, I remember, I remember, I was fourteen. My first, one of the first game I played, like he told me to get in the fight. You got to get in the fight. I'm like, "Why am I getting in the fight? And get punched in the face for?" Because you got to get in the fight. That's how it works. <laughs> okay, so, so I dropped my gloves and I got whacked around a little bit. I mean, in, in, in the penalty box, and in those days there was no glass and nothing. I look up to the left, my brother's in the box screaming at the kid, don't you ever hit my brother again. I'm going, what? what are you doing? You're embarrassing me. <laughs> but that's the way it goes. That's where people were. They were crazy. They were, you know, and back home because I was, it's such a religion. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, you live in a little town of 12, 15,000 people. And, you know, I'm, I'm the only, I'm the only person that ever came out of my, my hometown where I grew up to play in NHL. So it tells you how hard it is to get where you want to go. Hey, look. You got to come from somewhere, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, so no. it's just part of the deal. You just the benefit of your town. Now, let's talk about your town. So, Quebec. Where in Quebec? I was born in a little town called Tachereau. It uh, it was about eight hundred people. And early on, we moved to uh, the little town called Amos, where I grew up, mm-hmm. uh, with all my buddies. You go to Pee Wee Bantam, and then juvenile was like between fourteen and sixteen years old. Was the Big league in my days back home. I mean, we, we, we put people in the stands in the final that it's still a record today. Uh, you know, when I see my buddies during the summertime, when they come to visit, come to watch some Penns games, you know, we always go back to those days where, yeah. you're, you know, you're, you're 15 or 16 and you win a championship with guys that becomes part of your life. You know, it's like stays there. So, uh, and I went from there and I went to junior and played a couple of years. And I got drafted at Pittsburgh and here we are, you know, like Crazy. 1974 to... 2020 almost so wow. wow time goes by doesn't it <laughs> it does i wish it would slow down it didn't go by when we were younger but boy it's no. moving by now no. like that's <laughs> it's on excel it's on the accelerated clock we're with pierre yeah. larouche hall of famer one of the greatest men to ever find the net with a puck we'll be right back here in this in a mississippi minute with steve azar Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Mississippi Beautiful Studios. I've got a beautiful man, beautiful soul of a man. That's what I can tell. I'm positive. When you meet somebody, you just know. You either see the devil sometimes, or you see something so beautiful and pure, and that's what I've got today. Sometimes you see nothing, and that's all right. But Pierre LaRouche, I I can't tell you how how excited I've been about this. As I've done my, you know, I like to do a little research just to get some facts, but you got to realize I grew up in Mississippi, and you were such a big name, and you look, I mean, okay, first of all, you and I come from some ethnic blood. You know, we both do. And as we get older, we look a little more ethnic. You know what I mean? So yeah. I see yeah, myself I in the mirror. I'm starting to look like my grandfather. So, <laughs> and, you know, and my, I'm the Lebanese Catholic kid. So we're these generations back where my, my grandparents were so Southern talking. On both sides, it was insane. They had no art. Baby, darling, and, and Gatorade. <laughs> and my dad's the same way. And my mom, oh, darling, honey. But. But their blood is, you know, is, is very ethnic, and how they made it to the Mississippi Delta is another story. But with you, um, I'm just thinking, Eng- English-wise, how good was your English when you, when you made your way over to the States? I, I like to tell a story about my, my first four months before I could finally understand the, the language or speak a little. <laughs> better at it today, but at least now I understand everything, so... <laughs> I would go to Eaton Park restaurant, those restaurants we have in Pittsburgh at the breakfast all day and all night, whatever. And it was on the route from my place to the rink, about the only road I knew. So I'd walk in there and they had a menu with pictures on it. <laughs> so I'd, I'd pick up the menu and look at the waitress and go, this. <laughs> and she's looking at me like, you got to be kidding me, right? This has got to be on TV, a prank. What do you mean this? You keep pointing at food. That's, that's all I could do then. So I'd go point at this. Give me this. So, you know. <laughs> did you what did you do so, hooked on phonics when did your your english just got really good because you got great you speak great english but not 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 learning it as a young kid you know things are difficult so so at what point did you start to really grasp it well i started with sesame street there you go and and while i was doing that i learned some spanish at the same time how good was that wait, wait, wait. How, how old <laughs> how old were you when you started 18. watching sesame street <laughs> 18. I'm 18 years old. <laughs> well, I figured they showed a picture of the word, and you, they were they were doing a great thing with kids. They they taught them very well because they were it was easy. And then the first day, I they were like you know for like it was difficult because you might thank God hockey was there, but still it's a very lonely existence at the time. Uh, 18 years old by yourself, not speaking the language, you felt like you know, you were dropping in, in the middle of nowhere. That's how I felt. And then wow. one day I yeah one day I understood what they said on TV, and I was. I looked back and I was, wow, I just understood. Because you, you understand before you can speak it, it seems. That's the way I, I saw it. But uh, wow. all of a sudden on TV, and you're like, whoa, I got it. I understand what Sesame they Sesame Street. Who would have figured at 18? Well, you know, yeah, well, you have to learn. You know, you, you're in the middle of it. The only way to learn the language is to go there and that's it. I mean, you, know, you know, the Muppets, you know, Jim Henson is from where I'm from. Well, so eight miles away. And Leland, wow. so Greenville and Leland. So can you believe that that mind? I always talk about it. I said, can you imagine that the man that created the Muppets is was right here? <laughs> I mean, oh, it's insane to me because I'm going like of all the things, the Muppets. I mean, like it's like the most. It's like Elvis, you know. Like, <laughs> like, well, it's like it's like me with you guys, though. I mean, like through golf, I got to meet some great people that otherwise I would never met. Yeah. And when I see when you perform and play, it's just to me. It's, I'm amazed by it because I would love so much to be able to think 
or play music. It's, <laughs> got, to such a, it's got to be such a thrilling thing to be able to, to paint people on command and, and, and just like like the last tournament on the boat that we made the boat ride at Dan Jensen's event. It was freaking tremendous. I mean, we rocked the boat. <laughs> oh, but everybody's, everybody was that way. Everybody's looking. There was no, you know, there was oh, like such an uh, engagement. There was so much fun and I, and I really like it. And like, like I said, uh, I, don't, I don't go golfing out anymore. It's kind of like I like to play at home but pack my bag and go. And I guess I'm getting older and I'm getting old, actually, and I'm like, eh, I'll stay home. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I love the game, man. It's just great. And you got to meet people like you. And, oh, I and, love and, it. And, and I it, you. It's tremendous. It's tremendous. You know, uh, you know the, the interesting thing is I've played in all of these arenas, in, including Montreal. Uh, I've played in Toronto a number of times. So I've played in the Madison Square Gardens in Pittsburgh. I've played in all these arenas. It's so cool. Now, now some arenas have changed, obviously. The, you know, the, they, 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 some of them have kept the name, but, um, but it's pretty cool. When you, yeah, well, you're right, man. When you've got all those people watching you play music or play hockey, it's, it's a, it is a true gift from the man upstairs that you, we got to ever do it, and it's, it's pretty dang cool for sure. All right, let me, let me ask you something. So Go. you're in the back. So we had, you know, we played football in the backyard, and you, you guys probably did too, because yeah. you said you okay. Yeah. But when you're playing hockey, right, and you're and you're in the backyard with your friends, and you're from this town of Amos, and there's nobody like you in the world at the time. The world just doesn't know it yet. Were you just like abusive to your friends? I mean, was it just like a? I mean, you obviously the first one always picked, or what was it like back there? I gotta know. I guess that that was it. So uh, all my friends knew it. The coach knew it, and uh, <laughs> that's how it worked. I mean, nobody. I was like, I never felt jealousy because I never felt. I mean, you're a young kid. You still want to be, you know, the, the best and all that. I'm sorry, all that stuff. But you know, you you with your friends out there, and we all and everybody like, you know, we we still talk about this. Still talk about it today. You know, I mean, we they go right, 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 and I'll say, well, you know, what do you want me to do? It's like. <laughs> The puck would follow you around. What do you want me to yeah. do? <laughs> it followed me around. What do you want me to say to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll come, you I'll, I'll come in and follow you. It just followed me. Okay, like, you know. so always, always the net. It just was that easy? It was always easy? I, I don't know if it's easy, but it was easy for me looking at it. That's what I'm it. saying, for you. I mean, just, I know it's not easy, but but like Steph, well, like, Steph Curry like, shoots. You know what I mean? It's easy. It just goes down. Well, you, you know he's been shooting a lot of those suckers. It's not like uh, one time, oh, let me, oh, I can shoot that. You know how much, how many hours you practice. But the fact that he does it so gracefully and yeah. with no effort, but it's a lot of work. I know there's a lot of work. It looks easy, but I know it's not easy. And the way he does it, it's like it's like performers, man. It's like, I think that's what we are. We're all performers. Oh, for sure. And here's a guy, too, that loves golf because I, I don't know why we're all, you know, fans toward golf after something with, I guess, because it must be the hardest game, and we, we we want to figure it out. We want to play it. Yeah, well, we want to be. You good know, luck. And and <laughs> but we all do though. Everybody, don't you think? Like that's all you hear all the time. John Smoke, you know, tried to play on the senior tour. Uh, you know, John, Tony Romo playing a, on the PGA tour. I mean, we're all trying to yeah. learn something else. And for them, they like to be us too. So we're all in the same boat, I guess. I think Grant Grant Fear holds the record for the lowest round on a, on the web. Well, which is the which is not the web dot com. You know, whatever it is now, uh, whoever sponsors it. But I think he holds the lowest round. I think he made a uh, cut once. That could be. He, he's such a beautiful person. I love. Oh. I love. I love. I love Coco. That's what we he call him. Yeah, Coco, yeah. His movie's think. out right now too, which is oh, he's cool. a big star. Yeah, yeah. I know he, he loves was, it. <laughs> you know what? Such, such a humble kid too. So. I know the way he is. He's, 
He's been a friend for a long time. We play a lot of golf. We play hockey against each other. And uh, you talk about a beautiful soul. Uh, my brother's yeah. got it. He's real nice. Oh. I love him. I love him. Well, let me let me ask you. You know, first of all, we talk about golf. We're gonna we're we're gonna be weaving in and out of this. But the the one thing that's the most confusing is unless you're playing t-ball, what other sport does some does the does the pucker whatever the ball the ball doesn't move it's just sitting there it's waiting on you and all everything else the ball's moving tennis baseball uh football basketball everything's moving right so it's crazy right. that we just have to look down but it is a special feeling when you when you're looking at a, a pin or looking at a spot and you and you hit the ball and you maneuver it a little bit and make it move whichever way your ball flight is and you and it goes there it's pretty cool, <laughs> you know. Uh, it, it, there's nothing like it. <laughs> no, like, for me, I, like like the sport I play was an instinct sport that you have to react to whatever happened at the moment. <laughs> so every time you're on the ice, there was something different all the time. You're reacting to something. In golf, after you hit your drive, let's say you bang a good one, you got all this time to walk to it and to think about what you're going to do to it when you get there. <laughs> and, then, and then when you get there, you got to dip your shot. you got to check the wind. Where we are, we downhill, but it's, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, and, and golf, it's just, it's, it's such a mental game and it's such a tiring game for that reason. Yeah. It just drains you out mentally. You go play Oakmont, you talk about Oakmont Country Club in Pittsburgh, uh, just one of the, uh, the best golf courses in the world I ever played. I mean, it's ready to go at any moment. They could have, I think there's two venues where they could have the U.S. Open and like in a week, uh, in time, they'd be like, no problem. In case like bad thing would happen somewhere right, else, right, right, right. We have to we have to move the open to Oakmont. You give them a week, man. They're ready to go. So it's, you guys play on that thing just like a U.S. Open course all the time. Oh, it's, it's, it's like it's, it's worse. I played in a in a SWAT in the, uh, September. I think they were running at fifteen. It was not even funny. Wow, uh, fifteen. Like, yeah. Oh my god. Oh, they were crazy. They, they love to do that. <laughs> well, they love to do that. It just, it's just. I never seen so many four putts from ten feet. It's just like whoa, <laughs> but it's so fun, man. You gotta it's find so the hole. That's what you gotta find the hole, like you find the net. <laughs> it's got to yeah, be oh, you better. <laughs> yeah, no, you better. All right, let's life. go. But it's such. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say that we're going to go into no. a break real quick, but I want to tell you that, uh, you know, Mississippi is, I know Canada is the birthplace of all things hockey. I mean, you guys, your, your, your Friday night lights was on ice. So Mississippi's the birthplace of American music. We celebrate all these incredible artists. So I'm going to let you play DJ. Would you like to hear, I'm going to give you two names that are as big as yours, Elvis Presley or B.B. King? Oh, little Elvis. All right, I'm going to do Elvis. We are with the great Pierre LaRouche. You're in a Mississippi Minute, Hall of Famer. One Hall of Famer to another. Here's Elvis. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. I am with Hall of Famer, the great Pierre LaRouche, and he's still great. And, and I'm glad I've gotten to know him in my lifetime. I, I'm going to I'm gonna beg him to come to our Delta Soul Celebrity Golf and Charity event. He'll see a lot of friends and uh, get him down to the Mississippi Delta because I know that's one place that you've never scored a goal is down here in Greenville. Nope. 
<laughs> never did, sir. Never did. Nope. Be a good place for a hole in one. You know what I mean? Like that. Hey, that would... I would. Yes, sir. He went I was playing with a. <laughs> I was playing with a good friend a couple of days ago, but and I told him on the range. I said, "Man, I said, I said like somebody's gonna make a hole in one today. I don't know why." <laughs> so we got we got to 17 on my club, and it was like a seven iron. I hit the dart. I'm looking at it like you gotta be kidding me, right? <laughs> and he hits in front and kicked a little left by the hole about two feet. My buddy gets up, boom, seven iron. It's just going right at it, and we think it's going in, and it stopped. Oh. I was like, you got to be, yeah. I said, come on, that's, you got to be kidding me. So it's like two feet, both shot is, it's like going in with a little more get-go. So, again, crazy golf, you know. No, you know, you get a shot, I, you I know? remember saying that one time, and it actually happened, and on the scorecard, it was the the I'd made. I remember making a two because I was the two. But it was it was the funniest thing. The guy that made the hole in one. He was in the music business. Big radio guy. He hadn't hit one straight all day, nor could he. And he he makes the one. And on the scorecard, exactly, it was one, two, three, four, five. There were five of us playing, and there were five scores, and they were exactly in that order. <laughs> it was that's crazy. That's, think of it. That, that's golf, right? Yeah, it's crazy. See that. The uh, how many hole in one? I've had seven, and my last I one got on one. A par you're four. Lucky son, you're lucky son of a gun. Well, I, got, I only have I only have one. And I'm happy I have it, so I don't have to get to my 80s and go by myself and come back to the boys and say, hey, "I had only one today." Sure, you did. <laughs> sure. It's like, the, it's like the commercial with the kid Coca-Cola when he hits one in, and he's like. Oh man, nobody saw it. Then this guy standing there goes, "Nice shot, kid." You know. Oh, oh Something yeah, like yeah, yeah. Up. The guy finally is right. he sees it. Okay, so let me let me ask you: as the state of hockey now, I mean, compared to you guys were pioneers, right? I mean, it's been it's been a while. You got to realize when I was there in Nashville, when my brother won the lottery to pick the first seats when the Predators showed up. So we, wow. so, he, so, he, so he picked them. He picked the four seats against the penalty box of the opposing team. Now, that was cool. <laughs> it was cool, but here was the problem. The problem was my kids were really young, and they were hearing a lot of foul language behind me. when they got, I, would, and, I would say. And the ref, I mean, the, he would always be right there in front of us, so he's always blocking our view. You know what I mean? Like right there. Uh, and I used to go, hey, you move over. Move over. You gotta go. You gotta go up ice level, right on top of those glass, right on top of the glass. Nobody tell me that. Up. Nobody tell me that. Well, I needed to know. If I didn't know you then. I would have told you. Yeah. All right. So the state of the game and and just the growth of the game. Now that you you guys did your jobs and obviously the money, everything is everything. TV and everything gets seen and more visible. You know when you see a Las Vegas get a team or Nashville, um, and it works. When I broke it in 74, there was almost no rule. Uh, there was no uh, rules against people leaving the bench and getting a brawl or in a fight that somebody gets on top of the other one and punch them out, whatever. It was like, it was pretty violent at the time. And, and it's a great job they did by slowly but surely kind of move out the fighting out of it. So that so by taking the red light out, they, they speed up the game so they can have a, a free time for a hockey game that could be on TV. In my days, crazy stuff would happen and the game would last forever. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like in junior hockey, it was the same way every night. There was a brawl every night. That was always something. But now they finally clean up the game. You know, they're protecting the players more than before. But 
They're bigger. Without the red line, they're faster. Therefore, there's more concussion. I think we did have a concussion in my days, but now they're so big and so fast, and the, the impact is so violent when you get an extra, you know, 30 feet to skate to run somebody. So uh, it's a good thing you've seen the game. It's, it, it's so fast. It's like sometimes it goes 10, 12 minutes without a whistle. I mean, it's, it's a very exciting game. So there, So you're telling me that today's, I mean, speed, right, in football, and we're seeing it in every sport. So yeah, is, is yeah, it that yeah. noticeable even to you? Really? Yeah. Yeah, you can tell you can tell in every sport you just said it that I mean, they're protecting quarterback in football and they have to otherwise you look at the size of those defensive linemen and, and they would kill them. I mean, so they had to do something. But oh yeah, the athletes are so much better prepared, such in better condition, nutrition, whatever you name it, they all they all know it now. In my days you you had to practice after you had a bad game you they skated the heck out of you. Not allowed to touch water. Not good for you. Yeah, you got to suffer. <laughs> yeah. Now, now you go. Now, now you're going to practice after seven minutes. All right, water break. You know. Well, they were giving you salt. Like, they gave us salt tablets. Oh, yeah, yeah, and those yeah, salt yeah, tablets yeah. Are probably yeah. the worst thing in the world with no water. <laughs> None. They were. We, you know, guys, we're doing the quarter and made a little bit of snow with our breaking on the ice. They put it in our mouths so we could, you know, like my God, we're dying. No water. You're getting punished. You played bad last night. So, <laughs> all right, okay. Used to treat us, but, yeah. You mentioned protection, and then you talk about the quarterback. Okay, so with you and Gretzky and Lemieux, so you think about the scores that, you know, in, in my time of really starting to understand and love the game, I didn't see you guys fight ever. I, were you protected by your teammates? No, were you off yeah. limits, I guess, is uh, what I'm saying. You're always getting a few fights. It's part of life at one point, but that was not our, our goal was to score. So if you're going to score, you have to be on the ice. You can't be in the penalty box. They always try to do something to get you in the box. That yeah. was always like, oh, you know, whatever it was. But uh, in my, in our days, when we played, we needed protection. Otherwise, it was like there was a lot of very physical and tough guys playing hockey in those days, early 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s. It started to change in the middle 80s. But uh, every team had three or four guys that could handle themselves and everybody else pretty well. So Right. But, but the one thing about the guys, so they, they, they never – they tried to hit you, but there was no, you know, they wouldn't go after you. I remember early on that the one kid, like, started barking at me, and I went, hey, you know, you, you want to make your name fight, and go get this guy over there. He's like, <laughs> guy. Go, go over there, and if you beat him up, then I'll, then I'll, I'll understand you if you can. Then yeah, yeah. <laughs> that means you have accomplished something to beat this guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, they, 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 that, was, that was like, you know, that was a, a law, I guess, that you you. You could be physical and try to do what you got to do. But as far as like you know, start fighting a tough guy, a tough fighter fights a non-fighter. That there was a rule about that. Nobody did. So We're but you got to keep your head up. I mean, they try oh, to run. Oh, you try to knock head it out. on a swivel, right? You had to wrap it all the way oh, around. Yeah. You ain't. Oh yeah. You had the three, the three second rule. After you made a good pass, you had to go one, two, three. Then you could look at your play. You have to watch somebody didn't take your head off. So you, you couldn't to... say one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. That's too long. Then, then if somebody came to hit you, they were dirty players. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, you let it go, you made a pass, one, two, three. Yeah. If nobody ran you, yeah. you were clear. But there's always some. Then then you put your stick up or you shut the fuck out of their heads or whatever. Just, just slow them down a little bit. Like I used to tell them, you know, I don't mind you taking me out. I just don't want you to run me over. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, okay you can, so, you know. so two, two questions come to mind getting run over. Injuries, were you pretty – you didn't have a lot of them or did you just play with them? 
Uh, you play with him, but I got most of my surgery after. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, but during play, you have to, I had a lot of broken bones, but I was lucky as far as like getting the major surgery. That came after, like, you know, two hips, two back, knees, hand, yeah. wrists, and all. That, an ankle done in my, after my second season. And that, that kind of like, you know, one never felt the same, but it was, it was okay. But, uh, you know, it comes with the territory. Yeah. It's just like I was watch, I was watching the other night a story about the great Johnny Bauer that uh, one of those great athletes that played gold in the NHL without a mask. Hmm. Uh, and, and they ask him a question. He goes, well, I knew I was going to le- lose my teeth. I just didn't know when. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Thank you so much. I mean, you know, that's how crazy it was. I mean, uh, you know, you're going to lose your – you didn't mind. Okay. No, no. Well, I, I mind, just FYI. But, I mean, yeah, come on. Are you kidding? All right, wait a minute. Okay, what about, like, like a pitcher sizes up a batter, right? Great pitcher. Talk about Smoltz and, and back in the Glavinals. I remember watching Dwight Gooden and all that. Okay, so you're, you're, you're a pitcher and you're sizing up a batter, and batters are tr- sizing up pitchers. So you don't have a lot of time. You're not standing there, and, you, and you're sort of sussing. Th- okay, goalie-wise, Grant or whoever, who was the toughest for you to score on, and who who was tough, but you figured out and you sort of had your way with. You always had a couple, but for me, Jill Malosh. He started with Oakland. Uh, I mean, I just hit post and whatever. I just couldn't score against the guy. It's just like no matter what, post or save, a great save or something. And all of a sudden, you're like looking at a guy and going like, "My God, like come on." That's not, it's probably like the only one really that I I had concern about. Uh, I, I'm not saying that to, to say that. I'm just saying, Jill Malosh, for me, had my number, and that's the end of the day. That was it. Wow. Was he longer? Was he longer? No, or? no. I don't know. It's just like he had, he had to be. He had to be the hit for me. So we're with Pierre Larouche, Hall of Famer, one of the greatest men to ever find the net with a puck. We'll be right back here in Mississippi. All the way back to 1943, Guarantee Bank has grown from offering the basic banking services and products to serving customers with a comprehensive, complete line of expertise and products only expected at much larger institutions. We are proud to be your local big-time bank. So when you're looking for a bank you can truly depend on and trust, and like me so many years ago trying to find my way around, let Guarantee Bank with its 17 convenient locations help you on your journey and become a wonderful addition to your family like they have mine for over 30 years. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go. in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios. I've got a Hall of Famer, the great Pierre LaRouche. When you jump from team to team and you've had all this success and then you decide to put the skates up, that that feeling of knowing, did it come quick? Was it a was it a gradual thing over a few years? I mean, and when it when it happened, did you did you go through any sort of uh, down depressing sort of a funk? Well, for me, I, I did not have to make a decision and uh in my 14th season in New York, 
Listen, the Rangers, I torn the Librium in my hip. In those days, nobody knew about the hip surgery. It was like, uh, oh, well, you're done. So that's what happened to me. Ten, I've only played 10 games that season. I probably would have played another three, four years. Who knows, right? right. Five maybe, but, but I don't know. So that decision was taken out of my hand. But I remember like, a couple years prior to that, driving home after a game with my wife, Cindy, and me looking at her and said, did I lose it here? Am I losing a step? And she, no, 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 no. I, like, <laughs> seems like now I'm hitting post where I scored before. She goes, no, it's in your head. You still... Yeah. But you start get you start going like, am I losing it? You know, and, wow. and that's always been the big fear of everybody staying too long. But now there's so many teams and they need so many players. Nobody cares about that stuff anymore. In my younger days, that that was part of the life. You have to leave when you were not in decline and stuff like that. But now it's different. But I remember Jean Beliveau Montreal could have played another four or five years, but you win the Stanley Cup and everybody is like, ah, oh, you got to retire on top. I mean, like screw that. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, wait, wait. So, so look at look at. So as we watch Tom Brady do what he's doing uh-huh. and stay healthy, and looks, he looks in better shape than he's ever been. But, but uh, just to amazing. still have the arm strength, and then Tiger, who just won again after winning the match, but won again with a, a field that was stellar in Japan. Amazing. Is it, it as an athlete? I mean, okay, as a musician, I'm just like I'm. I sit there in awe and just sort of just can't. I can't believe it because. Yet, how can they? How can it be that they're playing with these young guys and they're able? I know the I know the mind gets wiser. I get that, but you still have to physically be able to do it. And we know what Tiger's been through. But knock on wood, you know Brady's just been healthy. So how do you just look at them at their age and go, "Are you kidding?" Well, I had two back surgery, and I remember my doctor said, "If you come back, I'm, you're going to have a fusion, and your golf is done." I don't know who's Tiger's doctor, but when I heard the <laughs> word fusion, a friend of mine that we played our golf together said, well, he's done, man. He can't, he can't come out of this. We had back surgery. You know how we feel. The kid had a fusion. There's no way. So we're all, in intended purpose, we all thought he was done. Yeah. I mean, most of my friends, athletes and other people that are great golfers, there's nowhere in the world we, this kid's coming back from out of there. Quit not playing for eight months, getting those surgeries. I've been mean, tough, tough, this tough competition. He comes back, wins the freaking master, wins at East Lake, just won. Now, yeah. now he's playing in the Ryder Cup as a player captain. I, 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 Brady, forget about it. I've been always impressed by Tom. Uh, I've known him for quite a long time. It's been a while since I've seen him, but during, with golf too, a really classy kid, really nice. I mean, you you feel somebody that has you know like a good vibe. You feel that stuff. I right. do anyway. And like you know, what, like what's coming out of the person. Yeah. And Brady is like that. He was like you. He was like Gil Fleury. He was like Mario Lemieux. Guys that you get. There's no. Hey, okay, you're, you're a normal person. You did what you did, but there's no there's no stress involved in the relationship. We're friends, and that's great, and that's how they are. So yeah, yeah, amazing to me. I mean, Tiger Woods for me is like unfreaking believable what he did. Yeah, uh, it's ridiculous. At 40, oh, it's unbelievable. All right, you know, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to leave you with this, and I know you got it going, and uh, and I hope to see you soon on the golf course. But I want to tell you the ultimate compliment. Uh, my wife Gwen said that, and and. This is coming straight from the heart, and that the guy that I really know who you are said that Pierre said that I reminded him of his wife, the spirit, and I went. That means she must have been the most amazing woman in the world, and I totally and I totally get it. And I, whatever, however you said it, and that's an incredible compliment because I just felt like I love this man, and I do. And so I, I really want to thank you for taking 
an entire Mississippi Minute with me. These interviews always go sideways, and probably my listeners probably are begging for some more information. But they can go Google you if they, you know, or, or they don't have to Google you. But if they, but for for some people that that are hidden in the hills of Mississippi or wherever, and they go like, "What is that?" Then a sport, but. Listen, I really appreciate you spending the time, and and it's awesome to me. I've been looking forward to this, and uh, and you're the best, pal. I appreciate you. Well, I, I love you too. And uh, if the Penguins don't win the cup, I will be at your golf event. I, I can't wait to fly season. you in. But I, I, I know your Penguins. It. Yeah, hey, listen, I'm kind of keeping an eye on that. Just FYI, I'm watching it. I'm not pulling against them. I promise you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Again, that was great. Give my best to your wife. Yeah, she has. She had that same spirit that my wife had, you know, oh, just, I love just it. loving, a loving person. I and love it. I love. At the end of the day, that's pretty much what it is, you know. I know, partner. I know. I love. It. Well, blessings to you. I will see you soon, and uh, I'll talk later. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Been with the great Thank Pierre Larouche. I'm Steve Azar. Right. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi minute, all sixty of them, where you can take your sweet time. Humble beginnings all the way back to 1943. Guarantee Bank has grown from offering the basic banking services and products to serving customers with a comprehensive, complete line of expertise and products only expected at much larger institutions. We are proud to be your local big-time bank. So when you're looking for a bank you can truly depend on and trust, and like me so many years ago trying to find my way around, let Guarantee Bank with its 17 convenient locations, help you on your journey and become a wonderful addition to your family like they have mine for over 30 years. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.